0: Welcome to A History of the Inca. Episode 45, Atahualpa and Huascar. Hello everyone and welcome once again to A History of the Inca. I am your host, Nick Mashinsky. Just a reminder, Centro Cultural Acamama is booking spots to participate in an excavation in the Cusco area, which will take place between June and August of this year, 2022. For two weeks, participants will excavate as well as register artifacts and visit other archaeological sites that are a bit off the beaten path. Accommodations are provided as well as transport to and from the sites, breakfast, lunch, and other items. This is open to just about anyone, no experience is necessary, but each two-week period is limited to 10 participants. So, if you are someone who is interested in pursuing archaeology, is a bit curious about what fieldwork is like as an archaeologist, or who always wanted to visit Peru and is looking for a unique experience, then contact Centro Cultural Acamama at info at akamama.com. That again is info at aqamama.com. One more reminder follow the show on social media at Inca Podcast on Twitter, and a History of the Inca Facebook page is where you can find pictures, articles, and announcements about the show and everything Inca related. Now then. In our last episode, we tied the diseases that were beginning to plague the Americas to our narrative. Disease had broken out in the Inca Empire and the rest of South America. Elites in Cuzco were succumbing to disease, and even Capac, the Sapa Inca himself, fell to disease. Now it is up to his son, Ninan Kuyochi, to rise up and assume the fringe. Enjoy. Ninan Kuyochi was the son of Wanakapak, but that didn't truly matter. Wanakapak had many sons. More importantly, Ninan Kuyochi was the son of Raimi, the principal wife of Wanakapak, who had died while giving birth. Ninan Kuyochi was brought north with his father and half-brother at Awalpa, where we can only assume that he partook in fighting and leading forces against the groups surrounding Quito. Though the Sapa Inca had remarried to a new principal Koya, Chimbo Oklo, this Koya had never bore a son. This Koya never bore a son. Thus, Ninan Koyochi was the de facto heir to the Inca empire. In the days or hours prior to his death, Wanakapak apparently announced to the lords that were with him that Ninan Kuyochi was his pick to succeed him. It was after this that the culpa was performed, or a reading of lama entrails. The results were found not to be favorable. Taking this news back to the dying Sapa Inca, Wanakapak is said to have stated that Huascar was his next choice. However, again, the results of the culpa were not favorable. Hearing this news, Wanakabak ignored the results of the first culpa and restated Ninan Kuyochi as his final choice. So upon the death of Wanakabak, Kuzi Topa Yupenki marched down with an entourage to Tumebamba, where the young Inca was staying, to begin the ceremonies for him to assume the fringe. It was upon arrival that it was revealed that Ninan Cuyochi had also succumbed to disease. It is quite possible that Ninan Cuyochi's death was inconsequential. What happens next may have happened even if he had lived. It was Wanakapak who was universally recognized as the Sapa Inca after all, not Ninan Cuyochi. Even at this point, the news of Juanacapac's death was not well known, and the nobles present had hoped to announce the next Sapa Inca without issue. They could have slaughtered a hundred llamas and would not have been able to predict this crisis. But there it was. No Sapa Inca and no clear air. So now that there was a full-blown succession crisis, let us talk about a few of Juanacapac's sons who could be named Sapa Inca. The first two worth mentioning are Manco Inca and Payayu. Both were back in Cuzco but both were deemed too young at this point to be considered to be the next Sapa Inca. Yes even though their father had been raised up to Sapa Inca at a young age it seems that Manco Inca and Payayu were just not qualified. Besides they had a couple older siblings who wanted the job. Let's first properly introduce Huascar. Huascar was the son of Rara Oklo, who was part of the Kapak Ayu or the Panaka of Tupac Inca Yupanqui. Now remember, matrilineal heritage is very important. One follows their ancestry through their mother's line, not their father's. Thus Huaskar was most associated with the Kapak AU until his own Panaka could be established. Wasgar was in his mid twenties at the time of Wana Kapak's death. His mother didn't want him to marry his sister, Chuki Jupa initially. But Waskar needed to if he wanted to wear the fringe. And he was in a favorable spot to assume the fringe. Huascar was back in Cusco at the time of Juanacapac's death, which was the capital of the empire and the navel of the universe. Ceremonies had to be done at the Coricancha if one wanted to be recognized as the Sapa Inca. Moreover, Huascar had the support of the Inca nobles of the various Panacas. The Panacas held considerable power and sway, so having them on side was necessary to solidify one's rule. With the capital in hand, where the proper ceremonies could be performed, and the backing of the Panacas, Huascar could easily be raised up as Sapa Inca, which in turn would give him the entire empire's resources at his disposal. Well, most of them anyways. And that is because in the north, there was another brother, Atahualpa. There is some debate about who the mother of Atahualpa was, and for a while it was thought that his mother was not of Inca descent. However, it is believed that Tokto Koka, a cousin of Wanakapak, was actually his mother. Tokto Koka was actually from the Hatun Ayu, also known as the Panaka of Pachacuti. Atahualpa was brought north with his brother Ninan Kuyochi on their father's campaign. He did participate in the conflict against the confederation around Quito, having been defeated early on in the war and embarrassing Wanakapak by retreating. However, given that he was part of the conflict around Quito for over a decade, one would have to believe that he gained some military experience and must be somewhat a decent leader. Maybe? Etiolpa was around 30 years old at the time of his father's death, so he was older than Waskar, but that isn't what mattered. What mattered was that the army that marched with Juanacapac to Quito was still in Quito, and after a decade of fighting, that army was now the most seasoned fighting force in the entire empire. So let us return to the narrative to see how these two brothers would handle their father's death and navigate the succession. I'm sure they'll be able to work everything out. Wascar's mother traveled to Cusco as soon as she discovered Juanacapac's death. Her journey to the capital was likely to sway the Cusco elites to declare her son as the Empire's Sapa Inca. All the while, the body of the former Sapa Inca was getting prepared for the journey to the capital. Great care was taken to make sure the body looked as alive as possible. Again, the goal was to keep the death of Juanacapac a secret as long as possible to prevent any uprisings. When it was ready, Cusi Topa Yupanqui accompanied the body back to Cusco with an entourage of nobles. Notably missing from this group returning to Cusco was Atahualpa. The Inca had decided to stay in the north and instead went to Tumibamba to build palaces for Huascar, or so he claimed. When Juana returned to Cusco, Huascar was furious with Kuzitopa Yupanqui and many of the nobles who returned with the mummy by not forcing Atahualpa to return as well. It is said that Huascar was so angry that he punished several within the retinue, possibly even killing a couple. This upsets Hatun or Upper Cuzco, who did not enjoy witnessing how their relations were being treated. The torture convinced several of the funeral entourage to slip away and head back north. Huascar continued to express his frustrations to his mother, upset that she permitted Atawalpa to stay in the north, though it was unlikely that she had much, if any, ability to sway her stepson's mind. Waskar knew it wasn't really his mother's fault, though. He was likely lamenting the fact that Wanakapak's army was still in the north, and he knew that the army favored his brother, given all the time Atawalpa was able to spend with them. And Huascar's fears were valid. He had a special guest arrive from the north to deliver some news. Olko Coya was the cinchi of Tumebamba and informed Huascar of the building projects that Atahualpa was carrying out in the region. The cinchi then pushed the idea that Atahualpa was preparing to rebel and declare himself Sapa Inca. Meanwhile, In Tumebamba, Atahualpa knew that Huascar was upset at his absence, so he made an attempt of reassuring Huascar of his loyalty by sending gifts to keep relations friendly. We aren't told what these gifts were, but we know that they did not achieve their purpose. Huascar had the messengers who delivered the gifts killed. He then sent his own messengers in makeup north to Atahualpa with gifts of cosmetics as an insult. With the murder of his messengers, Atualpa refused to return to Cusco, despite his brother's insistence. He knew all too well what his fate would be if he returned to face Huascar. after refusing to return after all this time. The generals that were around Atualpa eventually approached him and pushed for rebelling against Huascar. This shouldn't necessarily come as a surprise to us. Again, the best fighting force in the Andes was in the north. But really, the generals were also looking out for their own self-interests. They wouldn't find themselves in as much of a favorable position if they were to go to Cuzco to serve Wascar. Wasgar had his own generals picked by this point. If they returned, they would likely find themselves in different, possibly lower positions. Now, whether Atahualpa decided to rebel because he felt that he had no choice, or because this was his plan all along, we'll never truly know. An argument could be made either way. But whatever his reasoning, Atahualpa decided that war was the only option. So next time, we will see the forces of Huascar and Atahualpa clash as the Empire is plunged into civil war.